This is Stories from Palestine podcast. My name is Crystal, and I live with my Palestinian husband and two children in Beit Safafa between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. I studied the tour guide program at the Bethlehem Bible College, and I recently graduated. Listen to weekly new episodes about the history, cultural heritage, and reality of life in Palestine. This is the last summer short episode of this summer. For next week, I'm working on a very special episode to celebrate the first anniversary of the podcast. In next week's episode, you will hear a bit more about how Stories from Palestine podcast came into being, a bit more about my background and my relation to Palestine, and you will hear from 12 listeners of the podcast who have sent me messages and audio recordings from different parts of the world to share their relation with Palestine and with the podcast. So that is going to be a really nice episode to listen to. And after that, I'm going to take another break because as you know, I'm currently in the Netherlands and besides visiting friends and family, I'm also preparing for our official emigration to Palestine. I've been living in Palestine for the past eight years, but I've always had a house in Holland to go back to. And now I have to give up that house that I was still renting. That means I have to move out all of my personal belongings and doing that and a lot of other things that you need to do when you move to another country. So I really need a few weeks to do that. And then I will be back with new episodes, hopefully from mid-September. For today's episode, I used a presentation that I prepared during my studies at the Bible College in Bethlehem for the course that we took in Islam. And it really interested me because it was a bit out-of-the-box thinking and something that I had never really heard about or learned much about. I had been to Haifa and I have also seen the amazing Baha'i gardens, but I didn't really have any idea about the Baha'i as a religious group or that they live in Palestine and that they have the center of their cult and religion in Palestine. Before I go through my notes and tell you more about who the Baha'i are and what they believe, let me first explain to you about the Baha'i garden so that you can have a more visual idea of the place that you could visit when you are in Haifa. So the gardens in Haifa are laid out over a long stretch of the Carmel Mountain. They are part of a shrine a shrine for a very important person in the Baha'i religion. It's a monotheistic religion. And this shrine is for the Bab. And that's Arabic for the door or the gate. So the Bab was the announcer or the prophet who announced the arrival of the last messenger of God, according to the believers of the Baha'i religion. And this is Baha'u'llah. So the shrine is not for Baha'u'llah, but it is for the Bab, the announcer of the coming of Baha'u'llah. The shrine itself is a white building with nine sides, and that's a very important number in the Baha'i religion. And the dome on the building is made of about 12,000 
gold-coated bricks. It shines from the mountain. You can see it from a far distance. Around the shrine, in the middle of the gardens, there are several other important buildings. And one of them is the Universal House of Justice. This is the main governing body of the Baha'i, seated in this building. The gardens, they cover a total area of about 200,000 square meters. The design was done by an Iranian architect called Faribors Sahba. And these gardens are laid out as terraces on the slope of Mount Carmel. It started in 1987 with the work and the gardens opened in 2001. And often they are called the Hanging Gardens of Haifa. There are in total 19 terraces. The middle one is for the shrine, for the bab. And then there are the others, the nine ones going uphill and the nine ones going downhill from the shrine. So that's a total of nine plus nine is 18. And that is the number that represents the followers or the disciples of the bab. 19, by the way, is also an important symbol for the Baha'i. The calendar of the Baha'i has 19 months, and each month has 19 days. So that means that a year for the Baha'i has 361 days. Now, in order to catch up with our calendar that has 365 days, they celebrate their new year which is on the 21st of March, when the day and the night are of the same length. They celebrate this for a period of four days and they do not include these days of celebration of the new year in their calendar. So this is how they catch up. Now, if you visit Haifa, then there is this great spot down in the German colony from where you can look up to the Baha'i Gardens and you can see the long stairs going up, 1,200 steps up the hill, you will see nine concentric circles in the garden that kind of wave out from the shrine. The shrine itself is designed by somebody else, not by the Persian architect, but by a well-known Canadian architect. His name is William Sutherland Maxwell. And it's a very elegant building in style. It connects the Eastern and Western styles in a unique way. The Baha'i themselves call the shrine the Queen of the Carmel. The plants in the garden were brought from different parts of the world and the landscape architect spent a lot of time to see where the sun is in different parts of the year, what the weather conditions are in different parts of the year, and he used plants that can tolerate the dry climate. He thought very well about the positioning. They even created a combination of colors of plants and flowers for the different seasons. And there is a lot of water in the garden that attracts a lot of birds. And as he says, this creates kind of a sound barrier against the noises from the city. Of course, they consider the fact that there is not a lot of rainfall in the area. So for watering the plants, they use advanced technology of recycling the water, also for the fountains. The stones that they use in the garden are locally quarried stones from the Galilee. But because for sculpturing they needed some computerized equipment that only exists in Italy, they had to ship the stone to Italy to work it and then bring it back to place it in the garden. 
the Baha'i Gardens cover a slope of about 225 meters. And the architect had to work with the fact that it is a slope and he had to do something to avoid landslides and for people to be able to walk around and easily visit the gardens. And he didn't want to use a lot of structures or walls to create the terraces, which is actually the traditional way that people used to farm the slopes of the hills in Palestine eh, by picking up the stones, flattening the terraces and then building stone walls, the famous Sanasel. But instead, this architect hollowed into the mountain instead of building out from it. For many people, the terraces of the Baha'i Gardens symbolize like a spiritual ladder. The gardens are not only beautiful gardens for them, but also gardens for the spirits. So what is it that the Baha'i believe? When and how did this religion come into existence? How many Baha'i are there in the world? So there are different sources that state different numbers, but between 7 to 8 million Baha'i there are in the world, and it is one of the most fast-growing religions. So in short, and then I will dive a little bit more into the history. The Baha'i believe in all other monotheistic religions, and they believe in the messengers of God, starting with Abraham, followed by Krishna, Moses, Zoroaster, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, and then followed by the Bab and Baha'u'llah. And the essence of the religion is the oneness of God, the oneness of religions, and the oneness of mankind. They believe in the equality of men and women and harmony between science and religion. So they believe that there's only one God and that he sent different messengers in different periods of time to guide the people and bring them back on the right path so that eventually when they die, they can ascend to the throne of the Most High. So they acknowledge the different religions for being unique, unique for each time and each place in the history. But they believe that all religions are one and the same, and that each is a continuation and an advancement on the one before. It all started in the 19th century, and it started among a religious group of the Islam called the Twelver Shiite. And the believers of this sect believed that the 12th Imam, after Prophet Muhammad, who was called the Mahdi, had disappeared in the 9th century, but he would return one day. So they were waiting for this Imam, the Mahdi, to return. And they even did some calculations and it was suggested that this would happen in the year 1844. So on one day, in the spring of 1844, a merchant called Sayyid Ali Muhammad, he was from the city of Shiraz in current-day Iran, he announced that he had received a divine revelation to transform the spiritual life of humanity. And it didn't take long until he had 18 followers. Remember the 18 disciples symbolized by the 18 terraces around the shrine. And these 18 followers were inspired by his words and by his lifestyle. And they were called the letters of the living. 
That's the name for these disciples, the letters of the living. And this man, Said Ali Muhammad, he became known as the Bab, the symbolic door between the past ages, the ages of prophecies, and now a new age in which there would be a fulfillment of these prophecies. He was clear to state that he himself was not the last of the messengers, but he was announcing that there would come a new world civilization, a world of spiritual and material prosperity. And there would be someone who would be a divinely inspired educator, somebody who would come to teach the people. So during my presentation at the Bethlehem Bible College, I actually made a parallel with John the Baptist. And for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you may see that John the Baptist was also the announcer of the coming of Jesus, just like the Bab was the announcer of the coming of Baha'u'llah. The message of the Bab was actually accepted by some Muslim leaders, but most of them felt quite threatened by this new message, and mainly because it emphasized equality and the oneness of all the religions. So as a result, the Bab was expelled from city to city. He even ended up in prisons. But the people were so attracted to his personality and the number of his followers kept growing that the authorities did not only persecute him, but they also started to persecute his followers. And this became more and more intense. And actually many of the followers of the Bab died a cruel death. The Bab himself was also executed. And according to the Baha'i tradition, a miracle happened before he died. So the first time that they brought the Bab and one of his followers out to be executed by a firing squad, the Bab told them that no earthly power could silence him until he had finished all that he had to say. Then 750 soldiers shot at him and at his companion. But after the dust cleared up, the Bab had vanished and the companion of the Bab was unharmed. And then they started looking for the Bab and they found him back in the prison, finishing his conversation. And when they found him, they brought him back outside and this time he was killed. And in 1909, his remains were brought to Haifa and then he was buried on Mount Carmel, where you can visit his shrine in the Baha'i Gardens. But what about his prediction? He was the messenger. So who was he making the way for? His disciples and his followers were still waiting for someone to come. And that someone turned out to be one of his own followers. His name was Mirza Hussein Ali. He was actually born in a rich, influential family. But he had always cared a lot for the poor people. He had always been really kind to everyone. And he was also thrown into prison just because of his beliefs in the Bab. And one day, as he was in a very terrible situation, in a dungeon of a prison, he was tied with a super heavy chain for several months. In this period, he got the revelation that he was the messenger that the Bab had spoken about. And his name became Baha'u'llah, which means God Almighty. 
But he did not immediately announce that he had received this message from God. He actually retreated for two years in the mountains of Kurdistan because he was running away from the local leaders who were very jealous and afraid of the growing followers. And here I also see a parallel with, for example, Moses and Jesus and Muhammad because they all for longer periods disappeared from the crowds and retreated in desolate places before they came back with a message from God. Now, Baha'u'llah revealed that he was the one in a special location. It happened just before he was expelled to Istanbul, and he spent 12 days in a garden on the banks of the river Tigris, and he called this place Ridvan, which means paradise. This is where he announced that he was the one, the messenger of God that the people had been waiting for. Baha'u'llah kept receiving revelations from God and he wrote them down in many different volumes. He also wrote many letters to world leaders, including the Pope, Queen Victoria, Napoleon III and the Tsar Alexander II. And his main message to all these world leaders was the message of unity of the religions and the unity of mankind. His most important work is called Kitab i Akdas. And in this work, he outlines all the essential principles and laws of his faith. And he also established the foundations for a global administrative order. Baha'u'llah spent a lot of time in prison also in Akka, and later he was allowed to live outside of the prison in a private house in Akka and to receive visitors. And he died in Akka in Palestine in 1892 and was buried there. And this is also one of the places that Baha'i pilgrims visit when they come. He actually appointed in his will his son, Abdul Baha, as his successor and as the head of the Baha'i faith. And this is the first time in history that the founder of a world religion has named his own successor in a written and irrefutable text. And he did that on purpose in order to guarantee that his revelation would achieve its purpose to create a united world. And he wanted to safeguard the unity of the Baha'i community. This son, Abdul Baha, then decided that his son should also replace him in case of his death and that the role of spiritual leader should go from father to son. But then his son, Shoghi Effendi, did not have children. He did appoint a number of Baha'is as the so-called hands of the cause of God. And when he died suddenly in 1957, it took about six years until these people organized elections for the Universal House of Justice in Haifa to take over the leadership of the religion. Baha'u'llah himself said that the main purpose of the religion is to create order in the world and tranquility among the people. And obviously there is much more to say about the Baha'i, the Baha'i gardens, the shrine, the religion, the history. But this is a summer short episode, so I will leave it at that. If you are interested, you can research more. There is plenty of information 
and books written on the subject. Don't forget that next week is a special episode to celebrate the first anniversary of the podcast. I hope that you will listen to it and share the podcast with friends. And if you have considered in the past to make a contribution to the podcast, then maybe the first anniversary is a great way to join the celebrations and to help me to continue creating new content and keep the podcast going. So just go to the show notes, click on the link there, or if you want, go straight to ko-fi.com slash stories from Palestine. And thank you for listening. Have a great week.